Okay, I'm good too. I'm hitting record now. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Marking Out the Days, presented to you by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am joined here with the mayor of Kicking Out It 2, Dave Rosenbluth. You're probably asking yourself, what happened to my ECW? Much like I did 20 years ago, I said, what What happened to the, the ECW? What? Why? Where did it go on TV? And then it just disappeared. And Well, you know, uh, Dave and I were doing Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch-Alongs, if you listen to this podcast, and uh, it get a little, got a little long-winded. We wanted to run, uh, run down the show and watch it every week with you guys, but realistically, our lives don't don't uh, don't don't have the time for that right now, uh, unless you are paying, which none of you are. This is a free podcast. That's cool though. Uh, so we decided to condense the format back to the old style of marking out the days. Dave, uh, maybe better at explaining this. Dave, go go ahead. Uh, shoot, it's your idea. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so uh, for some of you or all of you that have followed us and have listened uh, for the last couple of years. With this collaboration between Kicking Out at Two and Retromania, which will eventually become the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, um, we, you know, when we first started, we we wanted to kind of highlight things that took place in wrestling history. And for a, a brief period of time, we had taken um, pretty much everything that took place in the history of wrestling on that particular date and tried to cram it into one show. Uh, i.e. Kobe. <laughs> and uh, so then we changed the format up there. We did the, the, the WCW Saturday Night and the Superstars, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic hit. We, we kind of had to change things up a bit. Um, and then we went to the ECW stuff. You know, we've been kind of like, you know, I guess you could say like we've been rebranded. We have rebranded so much you would have thought Vince Russo was booking this podcast because – uh, we've done a lot of rebranding, but I thought let's kind of go back to our original format, but like kind of, you know, condense it and control it a little more. So we're going to go, we're, we're going to go monthly instead of weekly. Um, kind of like what I'm doing over on kicking out at two. I'm kind of going monthly every other week, you know, depending on the anniversary, if it falls like the month of June, I'm shooting to do three podcasts instead of four. So, but, um, anyhow, long story short. We're going to take each month and we're going to pick um, one event in the particular week of that month and we'll talk about it. So, for instance, you know, let's say a certain heel turn took place on this date. We will talk about that. We will not talk about the entire show that took place surrounding that, that it, you know, with whether it's a pay-per-view or a Monday Night Raw or a Nitro or whatever. Um, but we're going to try and keep it to like three to four topics an hour to 90 minutes, maybe two hours, depending on how well the conversation goes. Um, just, you know, kind of kind of go back a little bit and, and and still reminisce and reflect. Go in the old DeLorean and, get, and go back to the future, if you will, when it comes to the history of professional wrestling. But in a, in a more controlled environment for the two of us that's also fitting for our respective schedules as well. So uh, I look forward to kicking that off uh, month of July, if you will. And uh, I got some ideas. I'm brainstorming. Can't use them all, of course, but we'll get in there and uh, we'll reflect, reminisce, and reimagine that is the history of professional wrestling with marking out today's the rebrand season. That's what I'm going to call it, the rebrand. Absolutely. And this is, uh, you can kind of 
view this as a buffer episode. Um, so we're kind of branching off the marking out the days and doing a little um, a special. Uh, because it is the month of June, I thought, you know, let, let's not waste any time getting back into the marking out the days. Let's let's give the audience something, uh, an earful, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to make this special kind of dedicated to fathers. Um, so fathers are very important in wrestling. As you know, you have to have one to... Uh, to uh, you know be born but you know wrestling goes hand in hand with uh with you and i specifically dave with fathers and wrestling our both of our fathers introduced us to wrestling uh, you know? um, yeah actually my father we kind of talked about it briefly on on kicking out at two uh, my father took me to see wrestlemania 3 in what they called at that time in 1987 a closed circuit movie theater and my earliest memories of wrestling were with my father and my grandfather, I, you know, I, I can't leave him out as well. He took me to a lot of the, the wrestling matches when my father couldn't, when his when his work schedule wouldn't allow it. But um, some of my fondest memories growing up, of course, is the WrestleMania three movie theater experience that uh, I had with my father when I was four years old, which you can find in the archives. My father joined me back during Mania season. We watched Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, the all-time classic, which happens to be his favorite wrestling match. And he's not big of a re- he's not a big wrestling fan, so um, that was a lot of fun to do that. But yeah, fathers, you know, my father uh, was kind of there side by side with my fandom. If it was on the TV, he would, you know he was sitting there watching it with me. He didn't pay too much clo- you know attention to it, but he would watch with me, take me to some of the matches. He took me to. See me, you know, Hillbilly Jim. My f- first wrestler I ever met in person was Hillbilly Jim, uh, the big boss man, superstar Billy Graham. So my father was there for those moments. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's it's fitting that you know it's Father's Day coming up, and uh, we're talking about dads and wrestling and how you know my, my father and I don't know about you can elaborate, but your father as well uh, introduced us to wrestling or had incorporated it in our, in our lives very, very early on. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not to get too personal, but yeah, I mean, my, my father did introduce me to wrestling. Uh, it's one of my earliest memories is watching uh, Saturday night's main event or some type of wrestling uh, and wrestling my dad, you know, mm-hmm. while it's happening. Yep. Uh, you know, my, much, fa- my much- father was Hogan when we wrestled. So yeah, I, you know? I was a little heel that bounced around the bed, which I thought it was great because he'd throw me, slam me, boom, hit the ceiling, you know. Exactly. Crowd would pop, and that's, feed the comeback, you know, the whole deal. Yeah, and that's part of the nature of it. You know, it was like <clears throat> um, father and son bonding, you know, uh, watching that, him having something to watch and keep me at bay, you know, keep a keep a young, high-strung boy, yep. you know, calm. Oh, yeah. A- and wrestling was that answer for that. The antidote, if you will. Uh, but I got addicted to wrestling. I was obsessed with it all the time. Um, and unfortunately, at a young age, my dad went to prison uh, and was in prison for 10 years. Uh, but him and I, our connection was through uh, wrestling mm-hmm. um, and physical fitness. So him and I, you know, always bonded and talked and exchanged um uh, you know, stories about wrestling or, you know, what's going on on the TV. Uh, legit watched the Monday Night Wars with my dad uh, <laughs> through through uh, phone conversations and uh, letters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, it, it, it was a different um, it was a different way of viewing it or having that bond with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the, my uncle who had adopted me, 
um, is not blood. It's my it's my aunt's uh, husband. Um, they ended up adopting me. Uh, he was a huge wrestling fan. Okay. In fact, his aunt um, worked at a bar in Silver Spring, and uh, wrestlers would frequent there back in the days, in the territory days. Mm-hmm. So uh, she had a bunch of stories, and he would tell me everything. Um, he, uh, My uncle would introduce me to the likes of Harley Race or talk about um, uh, Iceman King Parsons or Junkyard Dog before he was the JYD that the WWF turned him into. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of things I found out about wrestling, I was like, wow, man, this wrestling is like – it, it goes back that far, and there were that many fans, and it, it's just the common bond that you, that I uh, share with those two guys, uh, my father figures, if you will. That's pretty um, cool. And wrestling is a uh, is is in a way it 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 parallels that because uh, as we're gonna go through this episode, uh, fathers and sons are constantly involved in this business. Now I got a question for you, not to get too personal, but when your father had gotten out of jail, did that wrestling bond was it still intact when? When he got out of jail and, and you guys interacted? Um, so when he got out, I was kind of in the uh, the lapsed phase where I wasn't watching wrestling. Okay. Well, those four, those four years where I didn't uh, really participate in wrestling and I kind of zoned out. Okay. Uh, more focused on girls and, and you know, working and whatnot. Yep. Um, but uh, I think um, – I think it, it just because the wrestling had changed so much, he would watch it while I would have it on, and he'd be like, "Oh, I remember him," or you know, kind of like giggle at it. But I think it had it had died when I had stopped um, following wrestling so much, and I think that was something with high school and after the invasion era, because I was in high school during that, and it was like, "Are you still gonna watch wrestling?" Because you could get made fun of for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a thing that you kind of had to keep a secret. What year at was that? that? Time. So the invasion is 2001. I graduated high school in 2005. Okay. So, uh, so that was long after my, the, that was long after the Monday Night Wars. Yes, yeah. but in middle school was my my Monday Night Wars. I was watching religiously. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I was in high school, I graduated. I graduated in 2001, and you know, I was one of the very few kids that watched wrestling. And when, you know, Raw and Nitro would go head to head, you had DX and I got I had people giving me crotch chops that didn't like me in high school, that picked on me. Right. But all of a sudden they found something that they could identify with me and they were telling yeah. me to suck it and then I'm flipping them off like I'm Steve Austin, like, who are you? Like you you, right. you, didn't, you didn't want me sitting at the lunch table with you three weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, you think you're fucking cool because I watch wrestling. And now, all of a sudden, we got some sort of bond. Like, fuck you. So, yep. there, was a, there was a period of time where, like, it, in high school, it was popular to watch wrestling. Um, so yes. much so that um, a lot of the t-shirts weren't even allowed to be worn. You know, the Austin 316 stuff at our school, that was a no-go. DX... Um, any kind of like flagrant behavior, like the crotch chops and, and, you know, the, yep. the middle fingers, stuff like that. that was obviously, you know, I heard stories of guys going to after school detention or even Saturday detention for telling the teacher to suck it, or I got yep. two words for you. You know what I mean? Like it was, I had, I had, uh, two incidents when I was in middle school. Cause for me, it was in middle school. I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than you, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was, it was very popular in middle school. Uh, and I wore the, uh, the road dog doing it in the dog house, doggy style. <laughs> um, and I was made uh, to turn that shirt inside out. And then I wore the suck it shirt and uh, I was 
uh, told to go home that day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, wrestling got you in trouble. But, yeah, I think because of that period after after um, after WCW and ECW, the lack of competition in WWE, what they kind of turned into that, that time frame of 2001 to 2005, it wasn't very cool to watch wrestling being in high school at that time. Yeah. Um, you kind of had to hide it. Yeah. So uh, my, my uncle and I had had our fair share when I was in middle school in the early uh, high school days. And then TNA, uh, him and I would watch the TNA pay-per-views on the uh, black box. So I did, I did watch the TNA product, mm-hmm. and I kind of like, you know, I, I just didn't tell people too much about it. Yeah. Um, but that, that was my bonding with uh, father figures and wrestling. Um, but like I was saying, much to this wrestling is is ingrained with father and son relationships now yeah um ever since wrestling became uh i guess more of the sports entertainment rather than the uh real uh the real physical wrestling uh in the pioneer days um you had promoters and promoters would most likely uh want to save their championship and have that you know, because you could be double crossed at the time back in the 40s or 50s. Yep. Uh, so a promoter would either make himself champion or if he was lucky enough, had a wrestling son and would make that wrestling son the champion. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's I mean, the first one that comes to mind um, for me is um, well, first. Yeah. First one that comes to mind for me is uh, the AWA, Vern Gagne and Greg Gagne. Um, yeah. Vern was very, um, very old school, protective of his territory. Uh, especially when guys were, were leaving, uh, you know, names like Hogan, Bobby, he, pretty much everyone that, that made the mass exodus to, to, to Vince McMahon in New York, as they like to call it, the WWF, uh, Vern had become even more protective of his territory to the point where he was putting family members in positions, uh, you know, high-ranking positions on the card, like his son, Greg. Uh, I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you know, tag team with Jim Brunzel, the High Flyers, uh, his son-in-law, Larry Zabisco, for those that yeah. aren't aware, um, was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. And, you know, that that's the first one that comes to mind. I know that uh, Fritz Von Erich and the, the, the Von Erich boys, that was a big father-son dynamic in the territory. His kids were the top draws as far as baby faces go in the, in the Dallas territory for a very, very long time. Absolutely. Um, that I think that's another fine example. Fritz uh, could not guarantee that NWA heavyweight championship at the time in the territory days, so he created his own Texas heavyweight championship out of his own promotion and kind of uh, protected it and uh, you know wore out his welcome being the uh, the man who who constantly won that title in the territory, which would would be a thing that would uh, that would frequent those territories if you wanted to uh, protect that belt and uh, and you were you were the owner as well. Uh, so he eventually would pass it down to one of his children and have them um, hold on to that. But uh, you know, even Stu Hart, you know, there's another example. Yeah, well, I mean, going back on Fritz for a moment, I believe a, a lot of reason why Fritz had created the, the the Texas Heavyweight Championship and then eventually it would become the WCCW title was because of the control that the NWA had over the champion um, being in the territory um, and what territories they go to. So um, Kerry was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but for only like uh, like almost just about two weeks 
because unfortunately he couldn't make some of the dates that he was that he was advertised for and there were some other personal issues that were involved in that and I believe that was the tipping point if I'm not mistaken for when Fritz decided to slowly break away from the National Wrestling Alliance and do his own thing and they were a hot territory I mean so hot that they were pirated out of like the Middle East the, you know people in the Middle East could go watch their shows on their tele uh, their TV shows and well they had an advantage uh being on that Christian access channel yes so uh, so it was it was a big advent for them to you know to really get out there and they had a really hot number of uh, years at least four to five years where they were one of the top uh, companies in the business yeah and <laughs> if they went national um, a lot of a lot of folks have said because of their hard-hitting gritty style, Things might be a different, you know, different in the wrestling world because they were they were so on fire. I mean, it was. I've watched some older stuff on the on on the Peacock, which is still the world's worst app in the history of America. And um, don't get don't if if any of you listen out there, don't ask for the for a subscription to the Peacock on Father's Day. Don't give one out. Um, you know, if you watch your wrestling, you like your wrestling. You know, keep the keep the subscription, but don't, whatever you do, don't offer it to anybody else, or don't say to your significant other, "Hey, can you re up my subscription this month or the next couple of months as a Father's Day gift?" Just don't ever don't put that kind of negativity in someone else's life. Leave that to yourself. Seriously, they're one of the worst apps yeah. ever. My goodness, um, I've watched a lot of the older stuff of world class in recent years, and they call when when those when when those Von Erichs would get the hot tag, when someone would come in that, you know, one of them, or if they would make the save or whatever, there was this thing that I just heard it, heard the phrase recently, it was coined the chick pop. And mm-hmm. the girls would go absolutely insane. I used to call it the Ricky Morton pop because that was where I first heard it. When Ricky Morton would get the, get when he would make the hot tag to Robert and the, the place would go nuts or when, or when Ricky would be, you know, Bleeding and, and 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 trying to make a comeback, those girls would get behind. You heard so many of them. I swear to you, like Ricky Morton must yeah. have gotten so much pussy way back in the day. It's like unbelievable. The, Ro- the Robert Gibson pop was one of his eyes. <laughs> yeah, and then there's 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 some uh, wrestling historians out there that that could refer to the Robert Gibson pop as something else that sits between his legs. But that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, yeah, um, the, Von Erichs would get that that chick pop for sure. Yeah, it was wild. It was unbelievable, and some some could argue, you know, especially guys that were working in that territory. It's like, oh well, Fritz is pushing his boys, but Fritz could still push his boys. But if they're not getting over, then they're not getting over. They were getting over. They were over. People, it was, they were so over that it was almost hard to follow them in a way. Absolutely. Um, just it it shows the effort that Fritz took to put into his boys to make them champions to keep it all in the family in a way you know um, yeah and th- it comes down to money in the territories that's what it was it was pr- it was either protecting your territory by having your blood work with you or or, or join you because. Uh, um, wrestling is an American pastime and a pastime tradition is your father, you know, handing something down to you. Um, and that that's that is tradition, if you will. Yep. So let's go through some of the old territory um, fathers and then uh, relations. Uh, we can go to Stu Hart and Helen Hart, 
who, uh, wow, they have Smith Hart, Bruce Hart, Keith Hart, Wayne Hart, Dean Hart, Ellie Hart, George Hart, Bret Hart, Allison Hart, Ross Hart, Diana Hart, and Owen Hart. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, I didn't know Helen was a father, but... I'm sorry. I'm just... Well, I mean, mean, two two got to participate in order to make that happen. Although, it is 2022 these days. I mean, you can... You know, she can identify as yeah, whatever yeah, she, she yeah, wants. Yeah, she can. Yeah, Helen can identify as whatever the hell she wants to. Especially if you got, especially if you got Stu putting you in a headlock. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, be your dude, whatever you want. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, eat, eat the, eat the, eat the, uh, uh, the you know, cat I shit. Did you? Uh, she can, uh, she can identify as whatever the fuck she wants. So uh, you know, uh, <laughs> how about you go tell, uh, you know, have some sandwiches. Yeah, he's a good wrestler. Yeah, make you humble. Yeah. Uh, so Stu Hart uh, in the Stampede territory. I mean, he just birthed so many, so many people that are responsible for other uh, acts in wrestling as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, like when it comes to Stu, the difference between him and and Fritz was that his boys weren't always at the top. Stampede had Correct. Stampede had many different draws at the top. I mean, Junkyard Dog being one of them. Um, Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake, they were big draws in Stampede. Uh, Sweet Daddy Seeky. Yeah, Sweet Daddy um, Seeky. Um, Haystacks. Calhoun, uh, what's his name? Um, he was big. He was uh, Norman the Lunatic in WC. He was known as Makam Singh. He was like this. Yeah, like, Makam Singh. He was like this, uh, this Arabic sympathizer or whatever. This white guy that was like an Arabic sympathizer. Um, yep. But then, like, you know, eventually the hearts would, you know, move up in the territory. Um, and then, you know, they're not sons of his, but they would be, you know, they would eventually become his son-in-laws. Uh, Davy Boy Smith was a big draw in Stampede, as well as uh, Jim Neidhart. And probably th- it was during that period of time when Brett and Davy and even Dynamite and those guys... That was when they got noticed by Vince. When Vince eventually bought out Stampede and brought those guys yeah. up, um, it but was those four. It was pretty, yeah. It was pretty much those four that 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 most most people remember. But like I said, there's other names that were big draws in the territory at that time uh, that that weren't related to Stu. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he was just uh, renowned for training a lot of people too. Uh, much. To, instead of uh, being a father to them, he had them saying "uncle." Yeah, <laughs> get what I get what I see what I did there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, moving on. Bullet Bob Armstrong. Jokes. Bullet Bob. Uh, yeah. yeah. Bullet Bob Armstrong. Bullet Bob. Uh, I believe I want to say it was Southwest Championship Wrestling. He was the head of that territory. I could be wrong, but yes, you know, he, he birthed the Armstrong Boys, which was the Armstrong Southeastern United States. Uh, Southeastern. Yeah, Southwest, okay. Yeah. So Southeastern. So, okay. Yeah. My my apologies. Um, yeah, I mean, most famous for I guess you could say um, Road Dog, uh, Jesse James, Brian James, BG James, if you will. Uh, the Roadie uh, was probably the biggest success coming out of that family. Uh, but Bullet Bob was a big draw down south. I mean, and then eventually he'd go to Georgia. He was he was he was a top notch babyface in the Southern territories, and uh, then he brought you know Brad Armstrong, Steve Scott Armstrong into the fold. Uh, and many say that yeah. many say out of those four, Brad was probably the most gifted wrestler out of the bunch. 
But when it came time, there's for the- a saying, uh, actually, if if you took all the talents of each of the boys, it would have added up to Bullet Bob. Really? Now, I've never seen. Yeah, I've never seen a Bullet Bob Armstrong in his prime and watched thoroughly. But um, uh, I can see that where he had he had the gift of the gab. He could he could wrestle. He looked good for the time. Yep. And then, uh, you know, he had a little uh, bit of everything. He kind of yeah. he kind of gave each kid a little bit of everything. Um, I remember. I didn't watch Bullet Bob during the heyday either, but I remember when he did some appearances in TNA, uh, and he was involved in, I believe it was some sort of angle with the the LAX. Uh, mm-hmm. Conan was a part of that, and they did some sort of like arm wrestling type of deal. And you know, he's seventy something year old man getting in there and mixing it up. And most wrestling fans in that audience probably didn't know who he was until he had appeared on television as a part of, you know, like as, as BG or road dogs father yet. Right. He still know how to get the crowd going. He still knew how to get people into him. There was, I remember a period of time. I think it was the same, same segment. There was an arm wrestling match or something involving him and Conan. And I think he won and then Conan got mad, and then they just started beating on him, and the crowd was into it. And then he made a comeback, and he was fighting them back, and he took the leather belt off, and he started whipping them, and they were into him. They were really into him, and I was surprised because most of those people in that audience didn't know who the fuck he was until he became a, you know, a part of TNA television. And then, you know, it's just a testament to his skill that he was able at, at that age, coming from that era, to make that audience care about him. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was a testament to his ability. You ever heard this story about uh, Bullet Bob's um, uh, weightlifting accident? No. Uh, he was uh, doing a bench press, and it, I think it's like almost like 300 pounds or so. Uh, the barbell fell on his face, crushed his face. Holy shit. And he, and he had to get reconstructive surgery. Uh, he nearly died, uh, but that's why he donned the mask for a little bit. Did he did uh, now after the accident? Did he go straight to the hospital, or did he do a sixty-minute Broadway in front of a sold-out house and then go to the hospital? Because uh, usually no, that's the I, story I when guys back in those days. Those guys they were they were you know they were tough as hey, they were tough as nuts. He might have worked it into an angle some way. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm know? sure they wrote him off. Yeah, somehow. That's interesting. Uh, that's awful, but interesting. Yeah, uh, t- a tough tough bastard and i'm really interested in seeing more bullet bob as i as i uh catalog like old wrestling uh footage and go through the history of wrestling i Mm -hmm. love watching old wrestling now um i used to not but i i don't know something about it is just uh seeing the evolution it's great yeah uh um all right let's move to the pacific northwest or i guess uh, uh somewhere in that region pacific uh the the Anawais, Afa and Sika. Well, I mean, that's a that's a that's a large family in and of itself. We could do a whole episode on 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 all those tree climbers, but um, oh god, but, Chief, um, Meyer, Chief Meyer Via as well. Yes, yeah. Oh, is he now? I've always wondered: is, is, is that lineage? Is that really? There's a blood oath. They uh, they they um, there was a blood brother oath. Essentially, so there was there was no. It's not off that family tree. It was like some sort of agreement that they all came to that like we're related now, sort of thing. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, you know, Afa, uh, you know, Afa's son was. Well, he was the brother to Rikishi. Who I, I know he had a kid, Afa Junior, that worked Independence in Connecticut for quite a while. 
signed with WWE. His, his son was Samu as well. Afa was the he was the father of Samu. Yep. Okay, and then he was the brother of Rikishi. Correct. Yes. Okay. So and he, the father of Manu. Yeah. So yeah, Afa Junior. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Off of Junior. He would he would he worked the independence in Connecticut. I remember seeing him a few times and I remember when he signed, uh they put the, the that indie promotion put the belt on him that night. Um yeah. knowing that he signed so that they could say that they had a, a signing of a WWE guy. He was in developmental forever, was involved in uh the legacy angle, and then not long after that he was let go. That's a case where um the success of the father didn't translate to the son, at least when it comes to Afa Jr., Manu. Um, I don't know what it was. I, I, I don't know if it was skill. I don't know if it was backstage politics. But coming out of the gate, he just, he didn't have the, um, I don't know, he just didn't, I guess you could say he just didn't have it. Yeah, they put him in boots immediately, too. Well, and so kind of through. I know, but it kind of throws off the appearance or what they were they were given. But yeah, he didn't have that oomph. Uh, and Sika, the brother of Afa, would uh, you know go on to birth Rosie, um, which would be the brother of Joe, which is Roman Reigns. Yep. Um, so I mean, it, uh, you you can't argue there. It, it's and then Rikishi, Roman Reigns Rikishi has been birthed, pushed. Rikishi birthed um, the Usos. Jimmy yeah. and Jay, who are cousins to Roman. Yeah, absolutely. And you cannot go wrong with uh, coming from a tag team lineage and being at the top of the card. Even though the Usos are, are kind of tied and restrained in that 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 twin and uh, tag team gimmick, I could I could honestly see them go singles and do well. Both you know? of them. Uh, which which one? see? I get confused. Jimmy more than Jay. What? Well, Jay was Jay was the one that was kind of Roman's little underlink for a while before Jimmy came back. And okay, then he, then he was phrased Jay would main be, event Jay be. Uso. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I still think there's some there, there, there's some kind of um, story there with him and Roman on with the way that they first kind of introduced Roman's character as this tribal chief and the way he kind of bullied his cousin and forced his cousin and then eventually you know took yeah. him under his wing it was kind of like a tough love thing um i still think there's some story there that they could fall back on if and when that time comes that they want to split that group up i don't see that group being split up for quite a while i can see them having quite the run like as like like as like lengths of like new day like new day's gonna yeah. new, new day is going on seven years i could see them doing the same thing with with, with those guys yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's it's cool that they they get to be you know, second generation or third generation almost, uh, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that you know, in experiencing the top of the card in WWE, um, that's that's amazing. Uh, the biggest wrestling corporation there is. Yep. Um, let's let's uh, move on. Well, to... well, hold on, hold on. Before we before we move on. You know, to, to someone else, there's still more on this family tree here. If we're going on okay. Hawaii, we're talking. Yeah, sure. You might as well talk. You know, Peter Mayavia, the grands, the grandfather of the Rock, and then of course, never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, no, you, he's you probably might have to dig into the, those archives. The most, 
<laughs> yeah, he's probably the most um, captivating wrestler of all time. Uh, I don't know if there's an argument for that anymore. You're talking about Maivia or, or, or Rocky? The Rock. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's third generation coming from Peter Maivia mm-hmm. and Rocky Johnson. Yep. Um, uh, and uh, he's he's made the most with movies. He's transitioned into that line of entertainment. He's also been a top-selling wrestler that's sold out box offices. Mm-hmm. Um Possibly the greatest um, generational star in wrestling. Crossover, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's probably been the most successful as early as I can remember. You had, you know, Jesse Ventura, Terry Funk. They were involved in movies after wrestling, but and then you know Hogan. But nobody as successful as The Rock. Nobody. Um, Rock. It's funny because you and I will always know him as a wrestler. You know, we'll always know him as the guy that, that, that started out wrestling. But people that watch his movies or, 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 or you know, the, the Young Rock TV show, people are getting a lesson with that Young Rock TV show on, on NBC. But they, they look at him and they're like, oh, he used to do that wrestling thing, but they know him more as a movie star, as an actor, because he's done it longer than he did wrestling. I mean, he, he only wrestled for maybe about six, seven years at the most. And then yeah, seven cashed out and... Look what that's done for him. Now it's to the point where, well, it's been this way for quite some time, but, you know, wrestling needs him. He don't need wrestling. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll call on him if, the, if they, if his schedule allows it. I mean, he's rumored to face Roman, who we talked about earlier at, at next year's WrestleMania. That's supposed to be a big deal. And it's, I don't know. I mean, he's, I, I could, I could, I'm in total agreement with you. 100%, the greatest generational talent, the greatest crossover star from wrestling to Hollywood entertainment. Um, you know, definitely exceeded expectations and then some. Um, yeah, I mean, and nobody nobody could expect that, especially where he came from. Absolutely. I mean, Peter Maivia is a Polynesian wrestler. Um, ran the territory there with his wife, um, and with that power and control, his uh, his daughter ended up marrying Rocky Johnson. Uh, Rocky Johnson became a top name in the territory. Ended up wrestling a lot. Uh, joined WWF and became one of the first um, African Americans to hold the WWF tag team titles. Yep, I think the first, and, if I'm not mistaken. I think yes, they were indeed the, with the, Tony Atlas. Yes. I think they were the first, yeah. And they yeah. ironically beat the Wild Samoans, Afonsika, to win those titles. So kind there of a full-circle deal there, you know, in the, within the family tree. So that, exactly. that, that, that's pretty cool it, in and of itself. Absolutely. And then, you know, The Rock going on to become the first African-American WWF champion. Um, yep. Which a lot, of so, pe- a lot of people don't – a lot of people like to knock that, knock that down a peg because he's half – Half black and half Samoan, but there was never a Samo there was never a Samoan heavyweight champion in the WWF at that time. So, uh, if, if you wanna if you wanna be technical, I mean, it would it it would have been um, uh, Rodney uh, Yokozuna. Yes, but yeah, but his character in Cafe was recognized as a Japanese sumo athlete. So, yeah. So giving respect to that territory, um, 
claiming Polynesian. <sighs> Anyhow, um, so the Johnson Rocky family, the Rocky, the Rocks, if you will. Um, some other names that we can get into for territories, just quick talks. Joe Blanchard and his son, Tully Blanchard. Yep. In the Texas Territory. Yeah, it was uh, the uh, was that Southwest Championship Wrestling, or was that the San, no, yeah. San Antonio Territory? If I'm not mistaken, it is. Well, doesn't say here. Uh, San Antonio Territory. So uh, I'm gonna say Southwest. We're we're gonna. All right. I guess. Uh, we'll, I guess. We'll... Southwest Championship Wrestling. Yes. Okay. SCW right. in San Antonio. Yeah, so uh, Joe Blanchard was a wrestler from uh, kind of the pioneer days of mm-hmm. wrestling and then became a promoter, and then his son, um, Tully Blanchard, one of the guys that was part of the Four Horsemen. But uh, Tully was also Tully was also a na- made a name for himself before that, too, you know, in the singles. Exactly. He, in, in his father's territory, the stuff he was doing with Gino Hernandez as a tag team, that was kind of like the – that was the origin of that, that – um, that team that Gino had with Chris Adams in world class, Gino and Tully kind of started that in, in, in Tully's old man's territory in Southwest. Yeah. Um, and then I think they even brought that to Houston at one point for Paul Bosch too, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, Tully did, Tully did some things before he eventually became a horseman. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of his father. In fact, I don't think I've seen any of his father's stuff to be, per- to, to be perfectly honest with you. No. But, um, a lot of people have said um, over the years that Tully was his own worst enemy, and he kind of got that from his father. That was something that okay. he had kind of adopted from his father, especially being the son of a promoter in a territory. Uh, he he was able to um, be placed in positions on the card that other guys wouldn't be able to attain because of the because of the relation, and that kind of that attitude. And that entitlement, I guess you could say. Not saying that Tully wasn't talented because he's one of the most underrated guys, I think, on this fucking planet when it comes to wrestling. As a tag mm-hmm. team wrestler and as a singles competitor and as a talker, too. I mean, he he was... Shawn Michaels once said he was the first cool bad guy. And going back and watching some of his stuff now, if I was, if I was older in that era, I probably would have thought the same thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was kind of his own worst enemy when it came to... Um, where he felt he stood on the card. I mean, to the point where, and even Tully said this once in an interview. Uh, I don't know if it was, I forget if it was a shoot interview or not, but he was talking about uh, when Dusty was booking Jim Crockett promotions and Tully made the remark, well, Dusty might as well book the shows against himself because Dusty always goes over. Something to that effect. I don't have the exact, you know, because Dusty, yeah. but Dusty was the top babyface, and he was beating everybody. And I think it got to that point where Tully had enough, and he spoke up, spoke out against the Booker. And I think that led to some issues between him and Jim Crockett. Yeah, um, and like you said, uh, Tully was his own worst enemy. Kind of uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because his daughter. Tully's daughter, Tessa Blanchard, 
uh, has made some peaks and valleys in wrestling yeah. and some remarks as well. Yeah. Um, she is a great wrestler in the ring as far as women's wrestling goes, as far as uh, any wrestling goes. I, I, I appreciate, appreciate her in-ring work. She is great at technician. She makes uh, it seem real. It flows. She doesn't sit there and pause like most women's matches you kind of see. I don't want to nitpick too much, but yeah. You know, she seems natural in the ring is what I'm trying to say. But she uh, her mouth has gotten her into situations and uh, um, kind of tarnished her name and career. Yeah, I've, I've heard plenty of stories, a lot of stuff in, involving um, some racial remarks towards other African-American wrestlers, um, as well as her unprofessional conduct. Uh, when it comes to doing business, the most recent I had heard was um, some issues she had within the WOW organization, the WOW. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, even before that, during the pandemic, she was the first female to win a male heavyweight championship in a promotion as the Impact Wrestling heavyweight champion, uh, which some people disagreed with. But I didn't mind it because it was something different and it got, it got impact a little bit of buzz. Uh, But when COVID hit and she was in Mexico, there were some issues between her and the, and management regarding the championship title situation. And they wanted her to cut a promo. She couldn't travel. So they wanted her to cut a promo on her phone and, and, and they Skype it or zoom it through, you know, whatever through the show. And, she wanted, this is allegedly, because, you know, in all fairness to her, allegedly, she wanted an additional $150,000 just to cut the promo with her phone. Jeez. And then she was going to send it to them, and then they would put it on their TV. So she's she's doing something through her phone. I mean, now, I, I know that, like, there's there's apps out there with celebrities. You can order, like, cameos and, and greetings and stuff like that. And the actors or the celebrities, they film something with their phone. And I don't know how much they get. There's a fee, of course, um, to, to have them involved. But $150,000, like, how, like, that's like you and me, like, saying, you know, all right, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna Zoom from home on my, on my computer, my phone now. But I want to raise. Because I'm gonna because because I'm doing this through my phone. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like if anything, you should be getting a, a pay decrease in some regards. <laughs> Real quick, go through a couple other um, promotions that had uh, sons involved. You have Roy Welch um, or Lester Welch, which uh, he would have the son Roy Welch, which would be the Welch and Fuller family, which would they they would do continental wrestling. Um, uh, Billy Golden, who his name is Bunkhouse Buck. Mm-hmm. Guess who his son is? Uh, you know what? I might know this, but refresh my memory. He is in AEW right now. You're going to have to refresh my memory. He is a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's not his real. Hager's not his real kid. Yes, it is. Stop lying. I think so. Nah, I don't know about that. They, I remember when 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 Hager was was portrayed as Jack Swagger in WWE. They brought in Buck to play oh, Swagger's you're right. father you're on TV. Right. Okay, um, damn, I ruined my own gimmick. I'm sorry. I re- that's why I had that written down. You know what? My own you know what you should do. I'm sorry. You know what you should do. What? You should get dressed up in 
a, a, a leotard in a blue blazer outfit, just like this one as I'm showing you through the zoom right here. See this here? Yeah. This wonderful yeah. blue blazer action figure. She get dressed up in an outfit just like this and then take a carabiner, okay, and a cord <laughs> and then climb up to the top of your roof Yeah. and then fall and see what happens. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. And, and for everybody listening uh, that can't see, Dave has the blue blazer dangling from his mic rack. So he could no, fall not. at any moment, no, no. folks. He's sitting, he's sitting perched he's sitting. upon a certain point. Okay. I have the Macho Man, which is a Christmas ornament, dangling from the, okay. the, the, the mic rack. The blazer, well, there we blazer's go. sitting holding on to something. This Big blazer transition. had a chance. <laughs> Big transition before I go back to my surprise uh, quiz. I, I ruined that for the the Jack Hager thing. Sorry, um, Macho Man. Speaking of, oh yeah, huh? He 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 comes from a territory. Yes, uh, his father Angelo Pafo, and he birthed two boys in the business. Leaping Lammy, the genius. Yeah. Um, I mean they were. The, the the Poffo family ran what they call I think like an I, I've heard stories like an outlaw promotion. They, yeah, they didn't really they weren't a part of a terror. They weren't a part of the NWA. They were kind of competition to Lawler and Memphis, um, running out of a lot of like Kentucky and uh, you know uh, Tennessee and and uh, Kansas. They had access to TV. Yeah, so they had it was just. Yeah. But it was it was considered an outlaw promotion because there was no affiliation with um, the National Wrestling Alliance, and plus they went to other 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 people's territories. You know they they would they went to Lawler's territory on certain towns and certain nights when they weren't running. So, um, but I mean I didn't find that out until years later. But of course you know Randy Savage, one of my favorites. He's my my to- he's in my top five of, of favorites of all time, and the the biggest success out of that family obviously is him uh, yeah. and what he was able to attain and accomplish and be in many regards, a pop culture icon, you know, to this day, to this day, you know, they still sell Randy Savage merchandise and it does pretty well. I mean, I have Randy Savage action figures, uh, t-shirts, they sell the bandanas. There's Halloween costumes. You know, well, he he and Andre the Giant are one of the few names out of outside of the WWE that can be licensed. And they're still one of the you know highest grossing license for uh, for a character. Yeah. You know? uh, well, for, it's funny because like oh, I remember for merchandise as well. Yeah. So. There there was a there was a period of time like a while ago. I think it was after um, you know Savage died in 2011. And that was right before he died. He made I think like a, a, a he shot a promo at like for San Diego Comic Con, and it was to be a part of the video game. Mm-hmm. And usually, it, back during that time period, if it, if there was a wrestler that wasn't involved in WWE that did something with the video game, eventually WWE would kind of work something out. It happened with Warrior. Um, I think The Rock too. The Rock was who wasn't with them for a while. Like they they put him in the video game, and then all of a sudden he was a part of three WrestleMania sort of thing. But um, Savage had passed away, and there was a period of time where you didn't you didn't even see his stuff on on their website. And then personal story for me, I went to WrestleMania in New Jersey in 2013, 
Oh, I was standing outside the hotel at the time I was a smoker, so I had a cigarette. And I was wearing this like green t-shirt that I saw on some website. It's like this neon green and it said, oh yeah. And it was the Kool-Aid guy dressed up like the macho man. <laughs> it was the it was the Kool-Aid, like it was so whoever made that shirt, they probably got sued. But anyhow, so I'm wearing the shirt. There's this guy that's outside, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he says, You're a big Randy Savage fan. I said, Yeah, he goes. He goes, um, WWE just made a deal with his estate to start putting out merchandise using the licensing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I started asking questions. He worked within the advertising and marketing department through WWE. He was staying at the hotel that we were at in New York City for that WrestleMania. And then not long after that, it's T-shirts, bandanas, Halloween costumes, toys. I mean, I have a, I have a toy right here. It's a Randy Savage when they recreated the Hasbro's, Mattel did like a nice. recreation. So I'm showing nice. our listeners can't see this, of course, but there's so many different Randy Savage um, pieces of merchandise and memorabilia. I mean, he's one of the, like you said, one of the top when it comes to the license. And I think I don't think I don't think WWE is exclusive to that because you see other different companies that that put out Randy Savage merchandise that isn't associated with WWE. Um, but it's just amazing that, you know, it's, it's over 10 years since he passed away, but he'd been such this big, gigantic icon and figure in wrestling that crossed over into pop culture, a pop culture icon, in my opinion. And he's still popular to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, goes without saying one of the most popular, um, let's, uh, go to a, I guess a smaller territory if you want to, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, um, Jerry Jarrett, uh, promoter, uh, his son, Jeff Jarrett, he pushed him to the double F at the end of the dying days of the territories. Um, one of the last kind of territories, if you will, USWA, um, but Jeff Jarrett, uh, has since then, Seen a lot of uh, ups and downs throughout wrestling, but has made out with with money on the on the upper end, which is what you'd get into the business for if you if you're if you're a businessman. Um, and Jeff Jarrett has uh, definitely had his thumbprint on the wrestling business for a long time, much like his father did. Well, in in, in multiple facets, not only as a performer, but as a promoter. Um... You know, being and then of course being the son of a promoter. I don't know how many podcasts you listen to. I try to listen to a couple a week, and I listen to Jarrett's depending on what the subject is. And Same. if it's something about like his background, like I listen to a couple of the stuff regarding like the the USWA when they when when they bought World Class. Um, just some very interesting stories about his upbringing in the business, how he got in, and. The different roles he's played. He's got a very interesting story. A lot of people crap on him because you know he's Double J Jeff Jarrett, and he's had some some uh, some. He's gone through some trials and tribulations, but he's one of the more interesting stories. And if, if you haven't out there, I suggest you know after you listen to our podcast, of course, you, and after you listen to the Kicking Out of Two podcast, then after that, then you should listen to My World on uh, the, the the Conrad Thompson Network because. He's got a very, very interesting story about his role in wrestling. Very success. I'd like to consider him a success story in wrestling. He still managed to be able to be involved. Now he works for WWE as the senior vice president of live events. Yeah. So he's helping promote their live events, which is kind of his bread and butter because of what of his time 
working in the territories for his father, helping book the territory and and promote those events as well. Then, of course, his run as the the Booker co-founder of TNA Wrestling and what he did there to help them get to the levels that they got to, despite the fact that they obviously are a, a beyond a former shell of themselves now. But, you know, he, he did something that many people couldn't do, and he made that company last for as long as it did until he had no choice but to give it up. But Jarrett is a, like I said, gets a lot of flack from fans because of the stuff he did on TV. Even the stuff, the personal stuff that's been out there with his personal life and, you know, stealing Kurt Angle's wife and things like that. He gets a lot of shit for that, but he's he's been a success story in wrestling for as long as I can remember. Like you said, has fingerprints pretty much on everything to the point where like he's still he's got a successful podcast. He does the convention circuit. And now, I mean, he's probably done with that now that he's gonna be senior vice president of live events for WWE. I mean, it's it goes to show what his contributions in the business over the years have led to. Absolutely. Um another notable mention, King Curtis Ikea, he had a promotion uh, his son, Prince Ikea, who wrestled in the WCW as a cruiserweight. Guess what his real name is? Rocky Ikea. I think Rocky was a popular name in the Polynesian era. Oh, I mean, I'm sure that they had to change that. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there, was, there was some edicts there that had to be placed upon one prince before he stepped right. through the curtain. Um, I guess we can, uh, uh, I mean, Dory Funk. He was in Texas as well. He's oh, got, God damn he's it. He's got Dory Richard. Funk Jr. and uh, Terry Funk. Oh, my horse died. I can't make my booking. <laughs> You've heard that story, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. Survivor Series 93. Famous story. Yeah. yeah he Famous found, story. He found out he was doing the J-O-B to Bret Hart, and all of a sudden his horse died. Pritchard, my horse is dead. Classic, uh, um, classic wrestlers, though. I mean, uh, I, I, I think um, for the time they were one of the families that kind of ruled wrestling because the father and son relations, uh, both sons winning the NWA championship. Yeah, Dory, Moore, Dory, more the. I mean, Dory was fit the mold more of the NWA, and at that time, you know, working with guys like Fez. And- you know, Jack Briscoe, and you know, you hear all the stories, you know, 90 minute Broadways with the NWA title against Jack Briscoe or Eddie Graham or, you know, Harley Race or whoever. Um, Dory was probably the more polished, skilled out of the, out of the, out of the two, uh, with Terry being the more, I mean, Terry was a fine wrestler himself, but Terry was the more of the character. Terry had hmm. more had more of a personality than Do- way more of a personality than Dory, and he was able to last way longer in the wrestling business. Um, unfortunately, these days Terry lives in an assisted living facility, uh, um, and he's he hasn't he hasn't made any public appearances for quite some time. But every now and then you see guys like Tommy Dreamer or Mick Foley they pop up on social media that they pay a visit to see him and. He's you know still pretty much got most of his faculties there, but Terry Funk, um, uh, many consider him the greatest of all time. I wouldn't go that far, but he's he was damn good, and um, 
whatever he contributed, it was memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, let's go to a darker side. Grizzly Smith. Ugh. He was a booker in the territory in Mid-South. Oh, for Watts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Texas, uh, wrestler, uh, terrible, uh, terrible person. Um, yeah. Piece of shit human being. Yeah. He birthed Jake Roberts, Rockin' Robin, and Sam Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Jake the Snake, one of my all time favorites. Uh, well documented history, you know, what he's contributed. They say one of the greatest talkers. They say, you know, crap. You know, master psychologist, great storyteller, all that to be true. Um, fortunately, a lot of people remember Jake Roberts for the awful things that, you know, happened to him in his life and the things that he did, you know, while he was, you know, while he was fighting his, what they like to call demons. He demons. was fighting his demons. I hate that term. I, I hate when he had some demons that he was fighting. Like, shut the fuck up. He had a problem. They only need demons. This is a nice way of saying it. Like, you know, like, just shut up. Like, he had issues. You know, everyone's got issues, you know. If you don't have issues in life, there's something wrong with you. Because you have issues. Everybody's got issues. Motherfucker right. had a lot of issues. You know what I mean? They weren't demons. He wasn't fighting a demon. My God, by God he had a demon. He was he had this demon that he just couldn't kick the habit. God damn it, a right. demon. Like, shut the fuck up. It wasn't a demon. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it just, that, that is one of the darker sides, especially with, uh, uh, with father and son relationships, uh, as well as, I mean, if we go over it, the Von Ericks, um, the father pushing the son a little bit, the, the children too much into the business. Um, and maybe it didn't work out for them. Um, let's, let's quickly go through, uh, some failed attempts at father and sons, uh, fathers trying to get their sons into the business. Let's Maybe do it. they didn't go over too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one that crosses my mind is Bill Watts. Oh, and Eric Watts. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. That was, that was, they say that got over like a fart in church. I don't, I, I don't even think that was a fart. I, I, I think that was a shark. I mean, it was, it, it was bad. I, I mean, it was bad. We watched a lot. You know, you and I, we watched a lot of WCW Saturday night in one of our early incarnations of marking out the days. And we saw a lot of the early Eric Watts. I mean, the worst being was, of course, the, the gas station brawl he had with Arn Anderson where he, like, schoolboyed him in front of Pump 12. And, yeah. um, you know... I bet you gas prices were a lot different back then, 30 years ago in 1992, than they are today. But anyhow, um, yeah, that was awful. Eric Watts, that was, and and I don't think he ever really recovered from that. I mean, I know he popped in, he popped up in TNA for a little bit, but um, he was a part of Techno Team 2000 in the WWF for like a Oof. for literally like a cup of coffee. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was brutal. That was that was a case of like. Watts really pushing hard, and and nobody was buying it. Nobody, even the blind, they were not buying it. No, not at all. Um, all right, let's. Um, huh. I got one. Okay, Ric Flair and David Flair. There you go. 
Uh, you know, I, I, I had kind of a little bit of hope for uh, David Flair when I was younger. I was like, maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll progress a little bit. Maybe he could be a cruiserweight. It never came to fruition. He was bad from the start. Uh, and, and his father. But in fairness being, to him, they, the, the company, and, and it's been said, the company pushed for it. They put him in that story, you know, and they, they, he was going to, I've, I've heard he was going to be a state trooper in, in, in North Carolina. He was going to, oh, wow. he was going to, he was going to be a state trooper in North Carolina when he did a couple little one-offs on TV to kind of help Flair's angle with Bischoff and the NWO. And then they, they, they put him in the match. First of all, like they pitched the idea to Flair to him be in the tag match and Flair shot it down right away. And then when the kid found out that he was going to be in the match, or they thought they, they brought the idea, he pushed Flair to, no, I want to do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. And Flair said, all right, well, it's got to be you and me. You know, of course. And then they did the angle at the end when the NWO come out and Hogan whipped that kid. And, oh, like, and then they had him turn on his father. Like, that to me was like where it jumped the shark right there. Like, yeah. if, 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 if David Flair did that little one-off with his dad in the tag match against the NWO, and then the NWO beat the kid up, and then the Horsemen and Flair go out and get their revenge, that would have been fine. But they had to put him... And then they they had him with Tory Wilson, and I don't know. That's where it really jumped the shark. Although I will say some of the stuff he did with Daphne and Crowbar was a little bit entertaining, but I... Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't, I, like you, actually, I didn't really have high hopes. I was just kind of hoping that, like, this is a temporary thing. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go back to being a state trooper again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it just did not work out. He was not, and, and look, look at his sister. His sister, who didn't even want to originally wrestle, is one of the better women's wrestle wrestlers I've seen of our, of our time. Yeah, she's only, been doing, she's only been doing this for, like, nine years. And yeah. she gets better and better. I mean, people could rag on her all they want about her being way up on the card. And because she's a flair, she gets these, you know, different privileges. But that girl is ac- athletically talented and she knows how to get a crowd to, to, to hate on her. Most, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think she's the best overall all around women's wrestler in WWE. I'm not going to say the world. I'm not going to say AEW, you know, even though AEW's women's division is kind of. Mm-hmm. She's she's the best all around women's performer in WWE, the best one. Yeah. And yeah. you know she's she's and she's young. She's only going to get better. She's she's kind of remind. She's like a female Randy Orton in many ways. Like she's going to get better as time goes on. It's not gonna. And and she was pretty damn good when she started. Like it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like you could tell like in some of her matches that like. She was green. Like you looked at her after like a. F- I remember the first few matches I saw with her, and I was like, "She's just starting this out." I'm like, "Damn, that Flair gene really kicked in." You she know? had a natural knack for it, and I heard, uh, you know, Flair's son that passed away, Reed, uh, was pretty, uh, pretty much a natural himself. I mean, he was a, uh, he was an amateur wrestler, so he was he was doing very well in the amateur ranks. Um, I've heard that too. Bell to Bell, I heard he was pretty good, but just you know, couldn't get. Couldn't get it together, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. So let let's uh, let's continue on with uh, the last one that maybe didn't hold up so much, and probably one of the 
the greatest disappointments if you if you go compared with Flair, uh, Bruno San Martino and his son David. David did not do so well. No, um, David was. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think David was brought in as a favor to Bruno, and it was part of the the. He was on the first WrestleMania, wrestled Brutus Beefcake on the very first WrestleMania, and I don't remember ever seeing him after that. Um, I I just it's funny that you mentioned him because I just saw a picture recently. It was on like Twitter. Um, Someone posted a picture of David San Martino wrestling as an enhancement talent on Nitro. Oh I don't, my god! I don't remember what year, but he was in great shape. I mean, trimmed down. Well, he abu- he used the steroids. That him and his dad got into a huge altercation about him abusing steroids and continuing to be in the wrestling business. Really, and, uh, didn't speak for years. I didn't know that. I knew yeah. that Bruno was against it. I didn't know that he had a falling out with his kid over it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So there was a picture I saw. He had like bleach blonde hair. Um, you know, pretty good physique. You know, thin. He wasn't like bulky like he was when he when at WrestleMania one. But um, someone posted it and was something to the effect of like, uh, um, those were the Nitro days or something where you just saw a random uh, David San Martino appearance or something. And he actually had an entrance and music came down, high five in the fans. I don't know who he wrestled, but. Um, yeah, that was the picture I saw. That's interesting you brought that up. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. I don't think he did anything after WrestleMania one. I could be wrong, but I don't remember. They seeing... tried to keep him around in uh, some type of capacity. And Bruno was just... like his manager, right? Like Bruno was yeah. like, yeah. And they I... tried to build the feud with Roddy Piper attacking him, and uh, he just couldn't sell well, and just he couldn't do anything in the ring too well, uh, to be matter of fact, you know? Yeah. It's funny because. You know, I, and of course, hindsight always being twenty twenty, as we have these discussions. Um, you know, Bruno wasn't a big fat, wasn't a big proponent of this national expansion at the time with Vince McMahon Jr. And, but he stuck around for a little bit. Um, had Bruno like been fully invested into the expansion and his role as a part of that? Because I know he was like a color commentator at one point for a few shows. I think he mm-hmm. did like Wrestling Challenge or something with like Gorilla Monsoon. And I believe he had like a brief, brief, brief angle with Randy Savage, if I'm not mistaken. After Savage yes. after Savage attacked Steamboat. And yep. it's to set up the WrestleMania match. And had Bruno been fully invested and like really was a really was believed in the expansion and the idea behind it i i'm willing to guess that they somehow would have made room for his kid in Mm. some form or fashion you know a referee or, or even as like a sidekick to like somebody like maybe like Maybe like, you know, Jimmy Hart would have managed him and he would have been a part of that little group or even Bobby Heenan, you know, Bobby Heenan, you know, you could put him in a tag with somebody like a Greg Valentine or whomever, you know, um, I, I, I'm willing to guess that he would have had some type of a role um, on the, the kid would had Bruno been more um, receptive to the idea of going from traditional pro wrestling to what we now know as sports entertainment. Yeah, um, I agree. Okay, would would you put this in? Uh, I guess it 
No, he, I guess he got over. Let me see. Let, let's J- let's just jump to it. Uh, right. Shane McMahon. Yeah, hundred percent a success story. I mean, think okay. about it. Like his father, which everyone knows is the PT Barnum of sports entertainment slash professional wrestling, big time promoter. Okay, but then his father. But then his father was a huge promoter in the territories. But then his father was a boxing promoter in that same territory. Okay, so we're talking fourth generation McMahon. Right, is in Shane. Okay, goes from being a young executive in the company to playing a supporting character in a non-active physical role on the show to then being a attraction character because at one point, let's face it, people when Shane McMahon was advertised for the for the, for any type of match, people were wondering what kind of crazy stunt he was going to pull in those mm-hmm. matches. So he became an attraction. And then, you know, becoming a regular character from time to time on WWE programming. Even as far as, you know, just a couple of years ago. Now he didn't have... His character, I don't think, was as strong in these last few outings. I think they kind of overdid it with him after the Daniel Bryan stuff. um, And the Kevin Owens stuff. But, I mean, yeah, he's definitely a success story. Because nobody ever thought he would go as far as he did. You know, I figured at least as a teenager, when he did that stuff at WrestleMania with X-Pac, I was like, you know what? It's a little one-off deal. He's going to get bounced around and beat up, and then that'll be the end of it. And then he and then he had that, that match with Test at SummerSlam that same year. And when he jumped off the top rope out to the announcer's table and did the elbow drop, that's when everybody was like, whoa. Like, they really took notice of his athletic ability and how much he was willing to put into the match for someone who wasn't a full-time performer. And that was the starting point of like, all right, they, they put, they made Shane regular. I wouldn't say regular, but semi-regular. He, Shane McMahon pretty much almost had like a Brock Lesnar type of role, come in for the big shows, do the big spots and then be done with it. And I think, I think because the fact that at least in my opinion, Amongst the chatter among uh, with wrestling fans, nobody expected him to really go as far as he did as a on-screen performer. And look, you know, look 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 what that's done for him. And you got to give it up to him. It's not like he he lollygagged or ever like uh, half-assed it. He he really gave it his all, and he showed and he proved uh, throughout each time that he was in the ring that he he could do that. Um, you know, the, the, you don't. You didn't see that from David Flair. I mean, yeah, he took some kendo sh- shots or maybe a couple chair shots to the head. But, yeah, these uh, the what uh, ultimately what Shane McMahon gave to the business was a, a lot, um, even though sometimes he went o- over on wrestlers um, being the promoter's son. But, uh, yeah, it's- I think that was done to facilitate heat because everybody knew he was the promoter's kid. That's Absolutely. just that, that's that's my take. You know, I know this most recent outing where he had that spot in the Royal Rumble. There's been stories of, you know, him writing that whole Rumble and having disagreements with his father and and um, right. even Randy Orton at one point, you know, made mention of something on Twitter regarding the incident, um, something to the effect of, um, um, you know, Shane was Shane. Shane thought he was supposed to come out at some certain number, but it was Orton, and Orton told him to stay in the back or something like that. There was there's been stories about Shane's involvement and the kind of the falling outs he's had over the years. But um, 
I think when used appropriately and not overexposed, his character has had an impact and has been important on television it, when it comes to the, the, the storylines within WWE. I, I, there, like I said, there's been times where they overdid it with him. I thought the, the last run a couple of years ago where he was the heel authority figure, I, we had seen that, been there, done that. You know what I mean? And I didn't think that it had to go on as long as it did. But he st- I, I still think that he, given the right story and the right circumstances and the, the right opponent, I think people would still pay to see him you know, do his thing. Shane McMahon. I mean, coming from Jess McMahon, who was a promoter, to Vince McMahon Sr., who was a part of the wrestling commission when it you know, was the National Wrestling Alliance. And, he had a spot uh, on the board, yeah. Yeah, and um, then uh, Vince McMahon Jr. I mean, the estranged relationship between that whole family and then the, the connection as well as wrestling. Uh, through all, throughout all these stories that we've we've kind of told there's always been like a, a a strain on the relationship and then some type of pride or glory due to wrestling or the business mm-hmm. um doesn't always go smooth uh sometimes it it does um some before we get into our last uh four notable names um i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a real quick quiz dave okay all right, so you, you, give you me, have the proper questions and answers for this quiz because the last time you tried to quiz me, I, it, yeah. it didn't really work out too well. You might want to edit that part out of the show too. Sure. No, I'm like just it. fucking with you. I don't care. Leave it in there. It's fine. <laughs> Makes for great podcasts. Um, give me at least, uh, or I'll, I'll shorten it up. Here we name, go. Name, no, name four. Fake father and son relationships in wrestling. Okay. Paul Bear and Kane. Um, Vince McMahon. And the Undertaker as well. I mean, if you want to. Storyline, right? Or was that not proven? No, it wasn't proven. No, he was just. He was. No, it was just. It was Kane. It was just Kane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was was just Kane. He, He created Kane. He didn't, you know. Okay. Yeah. Which that's, that's a that, that's a great segment of Monday Night Raw. I don't know if you've ever watched that where oh, like, yeah. where Lawler puts the camera down and then he talks to Paul Bear and Paul Bear talks about how he diddled her. That's one of the funniest things I had ever watched on 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 oh, yeah. WWE WWF program. All right, so Paul Bear and Kane's one. one. Okay. That's fake. Um uh Vince McMahon and Hornswoggle. Okay. That's fake. You could even go Finley and Hornswoggle because they branched off to that storyline. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't say Finley was his father. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Really? Yep. I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. Poor right. David Finley. Yeah, I know. And, getting getting and saddled Bron- with and that. And Brone Finley, who yeah. they're, they're both great wrestlers, actually. Uh, speaking of, you know, father and son. Uh, have you seen any of David Finley or the Finley Boys? I just watched David Finley and Hangman Adam Page from uh, from Dynamite uh, just yeah. last night. Uh, watch that. Uh, not bad. Um, all right, so we got Paul Bear and Kane. We've got Vince and Hornswoggle. Um, damn, I know there's some. Give me a minute or two, okay? Give me a minute or two. I'm sure that there's there's more. 
Um, oh, damn. I can give you a hint by going into this next famous wrestling family. All right, shoot. Gory Guerrero in the Guerreros. Oh, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Dominic. Bing! Yeah. There you go. I am your father, Dominic! <laughs> yes, indeed. I am Gory your puppy Gu- now, S.A. Hey. Um, all right, so Eddie Guerrero and Dominic is the third. Yep. And the fourth... Um... The fourth. I'm sure that if you rattled off a few, I would I would be like, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, you got any other clues? Okay, let's see where we go with this. Um, here, yeah. Dun, 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 oh 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 oh! Uh, Kurt Angle and uh, and uh, Jason Jordan. Yes, indeed. Okay. Were those the four that you were thinking of? Yes, but I also some notable mentions. Go for uh, it. I want to hear it. If you didn't get that, uh, you could have done The Great Kabuki and The Great Muda. Uh, Kayfabe storyline, The Great Kabuki was the father of The Great Muda. Okay. Oh, I got Uh, one. I got one. Here we go. Sure. Kane and the baby that Snitsky punted into the seventh row on Monday Night Raw. There you go. There you go. I have an even better one. Wasn't his fault. Mark, by Hen- the way. Mark Henry and the hand. Oh my god. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. You got a penis. That's why they call me Sammy, baby. Okay, and then another uh notable one that because it was a weird storyline, uh Triple H and Mr. McMahon briefly. Well, that was eventually revealed to be Hornswoggle, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was what but... set up the whole Hornswoggle thing. Yeah. 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 Of course, you know, they had to go the fucking like semi semi incest route before they got to the finish because that's that's some Vince type shit that he'll do. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's do another one. Uh, okay. Referees and uh, father and son relationships. Uh, well, Earl and Brian Hebner come to okay. mind. Uh, that's pretty much the only that I could think of unless you got. Unless you got some else, someone else, other father son uh, pairings. Well, Jody Hamilton, who is the assassin, Nick Patrick. Uh, his, his son is Nick Patrick. Okay, gotcha. So there we go. Um, okay. uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Joey Morella. Even okay. though Joey Morella was adopted or from another relationship, um, but yeah, that that relationship yep. there. I've heard. Yep, um, I remember then you that. got Sandy Scott and George Scott. Uh, Classic old wrestling from the pioneer days. George Scott became a booker in uh, booked WrestleMania one, booked uh, a lot of starcades, booked a lot of uh, stuff towards the two thousand one two thousand three era of wrestling before he passed. I got away. one for you. Yeah, I got one for you. Promoter and ring announcer. I'm drawing a blank. Leroy McGurk from Mid-South and his daughter, Mike McGurk, ring announcer for the WWF. There you go. Yeah. So so, um, that's our edition of uh, Guess Who or whatnot. (laughs) Um, How about this one? Which is uh, who are father and son in wrestling that they that they don't bring up that they haven't acknowledged 
Yeah. All not right. necessarily father and son, but stepfather and stepson. Well, I know of a few instances like um, uh, Mike Rotundo, uh, the father of Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Yes, uh, that that that's one that that's one that comes to mind that they have not acknowledged. Um, here's another one we talked about him earlier, but um, we talked about Tully earlier, but his daughter Tessa Blanchard is the stepdaughter to Magnum T.A. Okay, you never knew that. Okay, yeah, Tully's ex-wife married Magnum. All right, yeah, how ironic that those two in a blood feud. You know, in, in Jim Crockett promotions for 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 as long as I can remember, in real life, one of them would get divorced with his wife and marry the other. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Here's I have two that are not talked about. Okay. Um. I mean, they are, but you know, not known for the storyline. Uh, they were known as brothers in the wrestling business, Ronnie Garvin and Jimmy Garvin. Uh. In actuality ron garvin was the stepfather of jimmy garvin i remember you telling me that a while ago i didn't really believe that only because they looked so similar in age but um yeah he was just getting some hoochie from the coochie they (laughs) sorry no it's all good it's all good um uh here's another one jc ice you know who that is he was one of the the rappers for the nation of domination yeah his father bill dundee Okay. Yep. I remember. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's 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 one I definitely remember. Oh, we talk about that territory. Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher. Brian. There Lawler. we go. There he was denying that it was his son. That was my next uh, branch yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had denied yeah. that for quite some time. Yeah. Um. And crazy. Okay. So that brings us to uh, the darker end. Um, uh, so yeah, unfortunately, Brian Christopher took his, uh, you know, died at an early age. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this happens where the, the, you know, with the wrestling business, uh, there's some untimely death due mm-hmm. to the, uh, nature of the business and, uh, you know, what goes on. Unfortunate um, circumstances. Absolutely. Yep. Let's talk about those. Um, uh, Eddie Graham and Mike Graham from the Florida territory. Uh, Eddie Graham was an old-time wrestler of the pioneer days. He uh, had the Graham brothers, um, which were kayfabe, which Billy Superstar Graham was one of the youngest of the brothers, Mm -hmm. which became a WWF champion. Dr. Jerry uh, Graham, I think, too, was part of that. Absolutely, yep. So they uh, they ran the tag team uh, uh, ranks when tag team wrestling was very popular. Um, at the time and uh, Eddie Graham was also a promoter um, and then had his son Mike Graham who started off uh, as a wrestler and uh, you know sometimes as a referee he was smaller in nature but uh, uh, he, uh, he he still stuck with the business for a while worked for WCW the Crockett promotion um, and uh, unfortunately both of those guys committed suicide yeah and uh, Mike Graham's son, even uh, the grandson, committed suicide as well. Oh my God, that's awful! Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, very, very, very sad stuff there. Um, it just, you know, goes to show that sometimes uh, the weight of the father, or the you know, the son, it's just uh, so you know, much with the Von Erichs. Yeah, you know? I don't um, know the, the 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 circumstances surrounding all of their their 
their self-inflicted passings. That's how I could put it. Um, I had heard rumors over the years that um, Eddie Graham's uh, suicide was largely in part due to the fact that um, there were rumors over the years that he was homosexual. and But it wasn't like public like everybody knew about it. there were just rumblings gotcha. and rumors and that's the story and that like i said all respect to the dead they can't you know defend themselves that's something that i had heard over the years that you know it was a rumor and he didn't want it to come out and unfortunately that happened but i've also heard too that i think um with the the failure of the business of the territory um Losing money, things like that. I think that might have contributed as well. I've heard a couple different theories. Mike Graham, I don't know how that how that came to be. That was a quick one. Um, that was just a few years ago, wasn't it? Right? Number of years. Well, within ago? the last ten. Ten. Okay. Or, yeah. So so years. I think life goes by quick for me. So um, okay, but yeah, I don't know the reason, the circumstances behind that, and I didn't know that his son, Mike, you know, the, the grandson, had done the same thing. So very unfortunate. Uh, another unfortunate one, um, I mean, Jim Neidhart and both uh, Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, um, I think Neidhart suffered a heart attack and Davy Boy, um, his wasn't drug related, was it? It was a heart failure. Heart failure, uh, yeah. Due to, you know, abuse. Abuse, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Davy Boy... Davy Boy was considered to be, at one point in time, pound for pound, one of the overall best performers in the world. Uh, but as they like to say, those demons got in the way, and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, scratch that off his back. Uh, Nightheart, of course, had some well-known issues over the years. Uh, I believe. Um, I don't think his. Had, I don't know if his had anything related to you know when it came to like abuse that led to the the heart attack but um Neidhart had been uh alive and healthy for a number of years following his in-written career so yeah um and you know Neidhart is the father of Natalia Neidhart and Davy Boy Smith is the father of Davy Boy Smith Jr. Harry Smith um, yeah Harry Smith yeah um Still wrestling both of them frequently. Um, you know, you see them off and on. Um, but yeah, unfortunate. Um, the the untimely death of them. And the last one, uh, same camp uh, or relation to the Hart Foundation, Brian Pillman and Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah. Um, Pillman Jr. Uh, recently, just, you know, he's, he lost his mother. His mother passed away. Um, but yeah. Melanie, yep. Yeah, Melanie Pillman, and I, circumstances surrounding that haven't come out as of this moment. But yeah, Brian Pillman, um, his death was uh, a rough one because of the circumstances in his life the last few years that led to it with the the, the Humvee accident and um, the his nature of trying to work the wrestling business with that that loose cannon character um, for 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 a number of uh, number of years and his behavior that led to his death, unfortunately. Uh, was um, was 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 not normal to, to most people, but um, 
his son in the wrestling business, trying to trying to do this because you know he wants to follow in his father's footsteps, and he's had you know a, a bumpy road, but for the most part, he's he's hanging in, and uh, I, I think I think he I think right now when it comes to junior, I I, I don't know. I think there's parts of me that have been back and forth with him. On one hand, it's like acknowledge the lineage because how great his father is, but at the same time, I don't think skill wise. He lives up to that. You know, I, I feel like when they do acknowledge it, it doesn't live up to it. But when they don't acknowledge it, he's, he comes across like just every other guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, he's in a strange spot. So I feel like something needs to happen with him soon in order for him to continue to improve and get to the next level. I'm not saying like be a, a main event star and win the belt because he's only been in the business for about like four years. But... I don't know. There's just something missing with him. Yeah. He could go down as one of those that we talked about that might have not uh, made it. We don't know. He's uh, st- it's still too be. early for him. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's way early. too early for him. Um, also, maybe too early to speak of Ricky Morton and his son. Yeah, way too early. I haven't seen enough of them. I know that they travel the circuit together. I know Ricky announced on, on social media that this would be the last year that him and Robert would be touring as a team. They're doing like a farewell tour. Uh, so, um, he wants to help focus on his son's career, which I think is great. So we'll see how that turns out, but I haven't really seen a lot of them. If any, I just see pop-ups on social media cause I follow Ricky on social media and they, they, they travel, they team together, the convention circuit, the whole nine. So, uh, it, I mean, if any, if, if anything, his son's probably has, his son probably has an advantage right now because he's with his dad 24 7 and so his father is there to kind of like teach him the business and 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 make sure that he doesn't fall into bad habits or hang with the wrong crowd you know shit like that so we'll see time time will tell it's early he's only a couple i think he's a couple years in too absolutely uh same as uh dominic mysterio yeah he's kind of plateaued for me as far as i'm concerned when he came out of the gate he had that match with rollins at SummerSlam a couple years ago, I was like, damn. I was like, all right. Like, he held his own for someone with the limited amount of experience he has. And the the, the father-son dynamic with him and Ray, I like it as a team. But they've been toying around with the idea of splitting them up and doing the whole, you know, daddy, you weren't there for me and, you know, sort of thing. And I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I, I think, honestly, if anything... You know, maybe when that time comes, when it's time for Ray to to finally hang it up and say I'm done, maybe then that's when they kind of go back to the drawing board and they 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 repackage Dominic, mm-hmm. uh, maybe send mm-hmm. him back to NXT to get a little bit more experience. Although, like like I said with Ricky Morton's kid, he's got his father there with him every day, every night, showing him the right way. So hopefully, um, Arn Anderson and his son, uh, Arn and Brock Anderson. Um, Brock looks strangely <laughs> like his father. <laughs> he's um, already forty-five. Yeah, he's yeah he already yeah. <laughs> the kid's probably just barely of drinking age, and he looks like he can collect for uh, for AARP. Um, right. I I've only seen a couple of things they've done on Dynamite, and <clears throat> I I need to see more to really give you a better uh, better you know perspective on on his trajectory, but. Um, to me, I hate to say it, like 
kid could use a little bulking up. Uh, he, he looks, he looks like, he looks like, like how I used to look as a kid when I would just keep my underwear on and wrestle my wrestling buddies. <laughs> minus right. the bra- minus the skid mark on the back. <laughs> and I didn't have my initials on the front. Mine were on the tag inside the underwear. So the, the crowd couldn't see my initials, but yeah. So he could, he could use a little bulking up, you know, <laughs> maybe not look so much like his dad. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's quickly go over two um, two generations that uh, maybe they were startled by injury. Uh, Ivan Putsky and his son Scott Putsky. Ivan and Scott. Um, well, Scott Putsky. I mean, I I I saw Scott very Putsky little... blew his knee out. Yeah, I so saw he, I saw very little Ivan Putsky growing up. A little bit, he'd do a couple, you know, spots in WWF. I think he had a run in like a battle royal or something. Yeah, um, I'd heard stories years later that he really wasn't Polish, and he was a big draw in in Texas in Houston wrestling. And then when Vince brought him and he went to WWF, they turned him into the Polish power. The Houston audience just kind of shit on it because they were like, "What? That's not you." And then he came back to Houston as Polish power Ivan Putsky, and it it, it it got over like a shart in church. Wow. Um, and then his kid did a couple of spots as part of the light heavyweight division in WWF, which he didn't look like a light heavyweight, to be honest with you, because of his physique. <laughs> Steroids. Yeah. Um, I, met, I, I met Scott Putsky uh, once at a Nitro when Nitro came to Hartford, the night the Warrior debuted. I was in catering, working in catering, and... Uh, Got his autograph. I still got the the the, the little notepad. Uh, him and a bunch of other guys. But um, yeah, he had a you know small cup of coffee in WCW. That was another failed experiment on someone just trying to capitalize on the name. Stan Stasiak and Sean Stasiak. Meet, meet, meet. Stasiak Planet Two Thousand or whatever they called him. Yeah, that was that was not great either. That was that was not great either. That, yeah, that was. Yeah, Jimmy Snuka and Jimmy Snuka Jr. and then his daughter Sarona. Ah, Tamina, she's still around. I mean, she gets a lot yeah. of FaceTime now. But they both are not the best wrestlers. They're not I mean, the Jimmy, best wrestler. Jimmy Snuka, for how captivating he was at the time and how over he was as a superstar, it just the son and the daughter could that's, never fill the boots. That, yeah. Well, he never wore boots, but yeah. you know they could never pummel somebody into to the concrete and murder them and get away with it like he did. <laughs> wow. Last one uh, that I had high hopes for uh, but didn't really pan out. Richie Steamboat and Ricky Steamboat. Yes. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was tough because um, that was during a period of time where I think Triple H had just gotten his hands on developmental and so he was, he, Triple H is, you know, got a great mind for the wrestling business, respects the lineage and the history, saw that someone like a Ricky Steamboat, his kid wanted to get into the business, figured, you know, I could, I could help build this kid up to be a big deal with the help of his father's name in our system. And unfortunately, too many injuries, you know, he was snake bit when it came to the injuries. It wasn't anything he wasn't, you know, it wasn't his skill level because I, I saw him wrestle at an indie show in Waterbury, Connecticut. I don't remember who he wrestled. And he was, he looked like a, a young version of his father. Uh, yeah. would, but like, it wasn't, you know how sometimes there have been wrestlers out there that will 
that have tried to emulate their whether it be their siblings or their parents and it doesn't come across real well it's like it's almost like they're trying too hard yeah you know like scott hall's kid you know cody did that cody hall, cody yeah. hall yeah he did that for the longest time you know wore, pretty much wore his father's gear his old ring gear did all the you know the mannerisms I don't, everything down to almost you know, he didn't have the, the the hair with the little curl in the front and he didn't have the toothpick but he did just about everything i saw him wrestle once and it was like all right like you got potential, but like you need to come up with your own shtick because you're not looking cool doing that. Your father did. But anyway, back to Richie. He did the arm drags. He did the flying cross body. He did the top, you know, stuff off the top rope, um, everything. And the people were into it, and it looked like his father. And to me, I didn't find anything wrong with that. I don't know what it is, but it worked. He did it just as good as his father did. And he was only in the business for a couple of years. So... Um, yeah, that was, I definitely had, I was like you, I definitely had high hopes for him, and the injury, the injury bug got him, got the best of him, and that, that was all she wrote. Yeah, there was a lot of promise in that early days of uh, NXT, there was some matches that stood out with him, and I was like, man, I can't wait to see where he goes next, and then disappeared, and I found out he was injured, and it was like, he wasn't coming back for a while, um, yeah. and d- just did not uh, come back. Didn't yeah. pan out, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go through some notable mentions. We don't have to cover it in depth. Uh, the Crockett's, David Crockett and Jim Crockett. I mean, you know, promoter, son, and father. Team help, help, great promoters. I mean, David Crockett's still around today doing the convention circuit. Jim just, you know, passed away about a year ago. Um, they had a great thing going. And unfortunately, they. They let the success get the best of them, and then Turner had to buy them out. But they were the number two promotion in the world at one point. Growing up, when I was a kid, you know, Jim Crockett, NWA. It was, you know, that that's that's. I I, I started with WWF growing up, but then when I happened to stumble upon the channel and see the Rock and Rolls in the Midnight from Jim Crockett, that was my alternative, and yeah, and it was it was it was fun stuff. Johnny Valentine and Greg Valentine, and then DiBiase and his his son. I mean, these the Johnny Valentine and Mike DiBiase, had, you know, had uh, fought each other, and uh, Kurt Henning's father. You know, those yeah. guys were all wrestled each other, and then their sons end up wrestling each other. Yeah, and and their sons be you know be, turned out to be more successful than the fathers. You know, uh, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, uh, one of the greatest personas in the history of wrestling and, and what he was able to accomplish with that uh still to this day you know popular on the convention circuit you always find him at, at a comic-con um and, and still looks great for his age you know he doesn't look like one of those broken down washed up wrestlers either uh kurt henning mr perfect definitely exceeded his father 100 percent, probably um in the top on the mount rushmore of the greatest to never be the world champion if you don't count the awa world title that he had um, mm. Greg Valentine and uh, Johnny Valentine. No, Johnny Valentine was involved in that plane crash with Ric Flair. Uh, I think he was paralyzed um, following that. But Greg, uh, you know, Greg had a great run in you know uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and um, eventually the WWF. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they definitely. I mean, granted, the business had changed, the business had evolved, but they they definitely. became more successful than their fathers yeah another one that became more successful than his father uh randy orton 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Orton... And you know the funny thing is, Orton's only like a... I'm 39. He's I think he's like in his 40s. He might be 41, Fucking makes you feel so old when you look at him. He's in impeccable condition. Yeah. He's one of the best wrestlers still. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's, yeah, unbelievable. His, his talent, his ability, what he's able... I mean... He, he, he'll be on the GOAT list for sure, you know, for, with what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, notable mention, the Rougeaus, um, Jacques Rougeau, and then Jacques Rougeau Jr. and his brother Ray, um, territory guys, and, uh, you know, a big name in Toronto and Canada, honestly. Yep. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen a whole lot of that, that, that promotion, if any. But I do remember Jacques and Raymond as the fabulous Rougeaus in the WWF. Yeah, and then uh, Boris and his uh, children, Dean and Joe Malenko. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the 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 great Malenko, I believe he was. Yes, Boris indeed. was the great Malenko, and then master Dean, technician. Yep, and then Dean, of course, making a name for himself as one of the greatest technicians in the history of wrestling. Currently, a coach for AEW, um, and uh, also fighting Parkinson's disease, which I had found wow. out recently. So, uh, you know, good for him that he's still working and, and, and keeping active while he's uh, battling that, that awful disease. But, yeah. Is that why his taunt was always trying to control his wrist? You're such an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're such an asshole. Um, all right. Let's, let's, let's end the show. Oh, wait. Hold on. Last bit. It says here, wrestling has more than one royal family. <laughs> This is uh, our last topic. Oh, that's uh, why. That's why you you cut it off earlier when you brought Dusty. You went, Dusty. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right, baby. Say the best for last and pull it if you will. Uh, yeah. American Dream. Dusty Rhodes. Whew. I mean, you know, Dustin Rhodes. Eventually, Gold Dust. One of the greatest characters in the history of wrestling. Because Cody to this. I mean, the the performance he put on the Hell in the Cell recently with a torn pectoral muscle. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. definitely making a mark on the industry currently today. Um, yeah, you know, Cody eventually, and then Dustin surefire hall of famer someday. And th- that apple didn't fall far from the tree when it came to success. I'm not saying they were as successful as dusty, but they dusty cranked out some really good performers when it came to those two. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to wrap it up with this topic because I think, Dusty Rhodes was an incarnation in himself, the, one of the most famous wrestlers of all times. Um, yep. In the seventies, you know, he, celebrities wrote about him and talk about him. There's so many stories about uh, Dusty Rhodes being this captivating character on television. Um, and then his son Dustin, his oldest son, uh, they tried to emulate that at first when he was introduced he he kind of had that fake accent he kind of talked like dusty a little bit oh that but was it, awful it was terrible it, it, it never worked did it no it didn't so what what happened was he came into his own carnation with this gold dust character yes it really birthed uh birthed uh, some some new blood into uh into the wrestling as far as um uh, drama scandal and anything like that it was it was he got some heat daddy if you will yep um and became his own and then cody rhodes they tried to build off that name with legacy with cody 
it wasn't until he dropped the Cody name or couldn't use it when he left WWE, created the list, and kind of uh, became himself again, apart from his father, while still having the lineage there. Um, my point being is that these guys became superstars because they, they, they branched off from what their dad did and became their own. Yep. Um, and and 100%. Uh, that, that's a big thing there in wrestling. Um, you know, and I think those two are solidified as some of the, some of the best generational um, wrestlers in this business just for that example alone because of the uh, gimmick that they created and the path that they paid for themselves. Yeah, I mean, you like you said, they they, they created a, a path of their own. While you know, you can only go so far living off of the lineage and the name, with and, and then you reach a certain point where you're going to have to kind of make your own name and build your own name for yourself. And that's, I think, the mark of the most successful generational talents. Like you know, you even said the Rock earlier. You know, the the, the Rock. Kind of when he when he came on the scene, he kind of adopted you know some stuff from his grandfather with the island look, and that during that time period that was he did on. you know that fire up that's yeah. what his dad did yeah he, he he took a little bit of everything and to get noticed even though it wasn't really catching on and then eventually he realized I got to do something of my own to stand out otherwise I'm not going to make it and then that's eventually when the rock was born so sometimes it's there's. For the most part, in most cases, when it comes to second and third generation talents, yes, the, being attached to the lineage helps, but it only gets you so far. And then you have to do something on your own to stand out. And a lot of the guys like Cody, Dustin, The Rock, I mean, the list goes on and on. There is plenty of guys out there that have used that lineage to their advantage, but then they've reached that point where they got to they gotta not ditch it, but not rely on it so much. And... Yeah. You know, and you gotta, and, you gotta be your own daddy. That's right, baby. That's right, baby. You gotta have your own personality, your own gimmick. You can't always be like the American Dream, Dusty Rose in public, if you will. But, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, this has been a fun conversation talking about dads and their and their offsprings in wrestling, the successful ones, the not so successful ones, the fake ones. Um, yeah. It's been it's it's been a lot of fun. We've uh, we've we've definitely uh, run the gamut. If we've missed any, you know, maybe we'll do a part two next Father's Day. I think we've we've hit a lot of them. We did. Uh, we did. If any notable mentions, email us. Whatever. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode or something like that. Yeah. Like probably not. Said. But you know. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I had a lot of fun. Everybody, happy Father's Day. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hope you guys dive into the archive at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. Dave, where can we find you? And we will get off here and uh, see you guys for the month of July for Marking Out the Days. Uh, Kicking Out at 2 on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2. You can like that page and uh, follow us over there, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out 2, K I C K N O U T, and the number 2. Shows dropping on a semi-regular basis, not weekly anymore, maybe bi-weekly. You know, this month we got a special uh, watch-along of the June 16th, 1997 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. The night that Rodman returned to Chicago with Hollywood Hogan and the NWO reign terror over Lex Luger and the Giant. That was a lot of fun. Dennis and I just watched that recently. You can find that in the archives this month as a part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Bye-bye.